Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio Wednesdays at 5pm for Brainwaves, Melbourne's drive-time radio show, giving voice to people with mental illness. One in five have a mental illness, but five in five can enjoy this great program featuring heartwarming stories, great information and some laughs as well. Find us at 3CR, 855 on your AM dial. Sponsored by Mental Illness Fellowship of Victoria. Do you want to get in contact with a socially progressive audience and diverse communities? Are you organising a forum, concert, festival, rally, call-out or film screening and want to let people know? Unlike other community radio stations, 3CR doesn't have commercial advertising, but we do offer not-for-profit, community and government organisations a chance to connect with 3CR's diverse and lively audience. Go to www.3cr.org.au and find out about our very affordable community announcements. Or call 3CR on 9419 8377 and get your event on air. Okay, good evening everyone and welcome to today's Brainwave show. Today we're going to be recounting some of the stories that were told at the Raise Your Voice Barwon Forum, which was held on October 16 of this year. So a lot of you guys will be familiar with Ben. So what happened was that Ben and I conducted the interviews and did the audio recordings in the day. So I'll let you know now that besides having to hear my voice and Ben's voice for the purposes of the interviews conducted, we're going to be trying our best to put in as little commentary as possible because today is really about retelling the experiences that some people in Barwon have had under this NDAS trial. Some avid Brainwaves listeners, some of the things I'm going to say might sound like preaching to the choir or telling you things you already know, and I apologize for that. But I still need to take some time to give you some background information about, one, what the NDAS is and what this trial in Barwon is and what it's attempting to accomplish, and further background information about what community-managed mental health services actually do, and furthermore, why we should actually be caring about them if we are not involved with them or don't know much about them. So in take note that throughout this talk, people are going to be calling Mental Illness Fellowship as my or myth. So these are just the acronyms that people call it. Just be aware of that throughout the show because that might cause some confusion. The other statistics and figures are sourced from the Australian Institute of Health and Welfare, their website. You can read more from them at mhsa.aihw.gov.au slash resources slash community dash managed underscore workforce. And that website says to take these statistics with a grain of salt. So I'm just relaying that back to you guys here. Okay, so community management health services of both for-profit and not-for-profit private organizations which receive financial support from the Australian government or from state or territory governments. This funding is used to allow community-managed mental health services to provide specialist services, mostly non-clinical in nature, so services that are not from a psychiatrist or a psychologist, 
and which promote mental health well-being, rehabilitation and recovery within the community. These are offered for people with mental illnesses, their carers, as well as their friends and families and the wider community. So one obvious example, I guess, would be the Mental Illness Fellowship, MIF, which is sponsoring 3CR's Brainwave show. But beyond volunteers and people working at MIF, there are reportedly around 800 community mental health services existing in Australia. The um, situation in Barwon is that the government is trying to see if the NDAS can actually replace the community-managed mental health services with the NDAS. So here's another important point that I need to make. Um, people in the show today will interchangeably say NDAS or NDIA. Um, they're de generally referring to the same thing. The NDAA is the National Disability Insurance Agency, which is providing the NDAS services. So what it is, is a new national system aimed at providing better supports to Australians with disabilities and provides individualized supports for people who are eligible for these um, programs with permanent and significant disability, their families and their carers. So in terms of mental health, they cover people with psychosocial disabilities associated with mental illness. And those are sometimes referred to as psychiatric disabilities. So um, a person living with mental illness is likely to be eligible for the NDIS if they experience impairment due to psychiatric conditions. And this impairment reduces their ability to undertake any of the following activities. Um, communication, social interaction, learning, mobility, self-care or self-management. So one of the biggest issues that a lot of people are having with these programs right now, as you'll see later on in the show, is that people actually do not know, first of all, what they need to exactly put on their forms or say when they get interviewed so that they can ensure that they're going to get access to the community mental health sector and the services that they provide, which in the past they could go directly to community mental health services and ask for. And another issue is that you're only eligible for the NDIS scheme to access community mental health supports if you can prove to the NDIS, the interviewer that you're speaking with, that your disability is permanent and you're never going to recover. And as true as it is that this is going to be very helpful for a lot of people, it's not really in line with the recovery model and it's not very responsive to the diverse and episodic nature of a lot of mental illnesses. And on top of that, this means that people who have in the past benefited from the help and support that community mental health sector services provide are no longer going to be able to have accesses to the services that help them if they don't fit the requirements for the NDIS. So these supports are going to be taken away from them, and this is the issue. Okay, to continue on from that, um, we were lucky enough to be able to talk to a diverse number of people. So we weren't just talking to people at this forum. There were over 60 people at this forum. And there was a mix of carers, so people that are there to take care of their loved ones, family members, friends. Um, we even spoke to a couple of social workers in the area. We also spoke to people who do have the personal lived experience. So because a lot of their stories are quite um, troubling, um, they could be triggering for people. So just have some discretion with that. And I'll stop talking now and I'll play you some of what we've heard from people today or people on October 6th at Barwon. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to briefly introduce yourself and why you're here today? 
my, my name's uh, Kevin, and I've come along just to find out more about the NDIS uh, and how it can be of um, support, say, for my wife uh, that's got the hearing voices problem and uh, very low self-esteem at the minute. And have you thought that you've been receiving support from them as a carer? I haven't received anything from NDIS. The, we did go through our doctor uh, to have some NDIS forms completed, and that was done. But we also, uh, from what we've heard from other people that have tried or have been through it, including... Uh, news broadcasts it's very they have they lack the NDIS lacks the empathy the compassion uh, when it comes to anything relating to a mental health um, issue it's more physical and they do not see the problems I feel they do not see the problems that will arise if you've um, got voices uh, telling you that um, you're no good or you're going to be attacked or whatever. They'd have no compassion at all. That's how I personally feel. Could you talk about what supports would be beneficial both for you as a carer and for your wife as a consumer? It's uh, giving people um, a bit more understanding, a bit more leeway, that compassion if there is a, a health issue and to allow the carers to come along and sometimes speak for the uh, client to, whether, whether they be a friend, a, um, a relative but sometimes people with the mental health issues cannot express exactly how they feel they may not be actually competent feel inferior and they can clam up and so we really need to be heard as carers, as friends, um, when being interviewed by um, in, uh, the NDIS. It's not just about uh, interviewing the person with the problem. And you talked about having anxiety about even submitting the paperwork in. Sorry? You had some anxiety about just submitting the paperwork to them. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Because I don't have the, I do not have uh, much confidence in them as to even whether um, we'll get a reply from them. Uh, they, I feel we won't get any understanding or support. So that I think, well, what what's the point? But then my wife is, um, uh, she, she's. Uh, also a bit fearful of just being rejected or not seen as having any real problems when she she's got the voices yeah and are you receiving any support whatsoever from okay you you're not currently receiving support from NDIS how about community managed mental health services or clinical mental health services well my my wife um She's on the disability, which she's been on for about oh, six weeks now. Uh, that's about it. Yeah, but we've had good support from a doctor and, by, and my wife's doctor. 
she's been very supportive and well understanding there and the neurologists that uh, wrote a report but otherwise none yeah. so I understand you're from Bowen yeah and Bowen is the trial or pilot site for rolling out NDIS is there um, concern about transitioning from mental community management health services in, into NDIS and not receiving any service? Uh, yeah, that is the big concern, that not, not to receive any service at all, not even a reply. That's, that's one of the main issues, yeah. And are these concerns from hearsay? Uh, from people that I speak to, because I do a lot of uh, volunteer, work, volunteer yeah. work in the mental health and yes, okay. and a lot of and friends of mine have also been through this that have had a real struggle, okay. real struggle. Yes. Do you have anything else to say? No, that's fine. I'm. That's Thank okay. you very much. Thank you. All Thank right. you for sharing that with us. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll be popping in every few seconds to get commentary. Um, the one of the big issues that we were finding was that people were having very inconsistent waiting times in terms of hearing back from the NBIS and the people that they sent their form to. So um, I'll let you hear Annie's story now. Okay, um, do you want to introduce yourself? Okay, my name's Annie and uh, I'm with the Mental Illness Fellowship. I'm a bit of a 50-50 and that's where I'm um, a participant as well as a worker and I've had difficulties applying for NDIS or NDIA, whatever you call it first. The doctor, as he seemed to not know of it, when I asked twice, the second time I used support, which I don't normally need. So the next stage was NDIS. They don't get back to you, so it's best to go in and sort it out, which is a cost, either the bus or petrol and parking, not to mention the time. It's hard to appeal or review, and I'm afraid I'll have no luck with this as I haven't heard anything since they had, were handed personally my forms. All the applications feel complicated and challenging. I have not enjoyed this process one bit. And I'm very uncomfortable about my information given. I feel it is unfair also to many others who will be disadvantaged and fall through the cracks being excluded from vital services. I need my fellowship. It assists with mental health in a huge way. I'm not discriminated against and the courses have been vital to a recovery and works on it when you're on a downward spiral. It's like a light at the end of the tunnel. I implore that changes be made to this system and make it a much smoother process with doctors informed in the trial areas. Regards, Annie. Thank you for sharing that letter with us. Any other um, thoughts you want to share? I just think that it could be improved a lot on and I've got a few ideas about that as well. <laughs> do you want to be specific about that? Yeah, what what suggestions for improvement do you have? Okay, I'll let her take out her well, notebook. Think, yeah, yeah alright, something. <laughs> well, I also think that um, we should be um, concentrating on getting our name known so that people can pick the service and know what we offer. So, if, so do, you mean, decision. do you mean the different community health um, so, yeah, we get the services like my fellowship or Pathways or any of those organisations because a lot of people don't know what they're choosing yeah. or who's what in this sector. And also, 
I want them to be able to be a bit more prompt about replying to you when you've left a message for someone to contact you because you, you have to go in there or else you don't get anywhere. So what was the average waiting time for you before you got a response back or have you gotten a response back? Not yet from my review and I had to chase them every other time for any paper I've done. And How long's the waiting period been? For you? Since before May because okay. it started in May so I tried to get on board straight away. Okay. Um, and also raise the service money for the providers so that they can give quality services to the people who really need it in the community. And um, if you're unwell, you're not available for supports and that can also um, go against you with the funding because I believe that you get less hours if you don't use the hours you've got. Thank you. That's it. Thanks. Okay, um, I just want to make sure that you guys know that today's show is not just about, you know, the dark side of this plan. There have been success stories. Um, I don't want to go out there and start the show giving people false hope, but we do have one pretty amazing story, um, one pretty amazing success, and here is Tyler's story. Um, do you want to introduce yourself and how you've become involved? My name's Tyler Chapman. I've become involved with the NDIS through Salvo Connect and my social worker, um, looking for funding for my further help with my mental health. Okay. And what has... Go ahead. What has your experience been, Tyler? My experience with the NDIS has been quite an enjoyable one. I um, did my phone interview very quickly with um, a lady called Lauren, then followed up with a um, face-to-face interview and within a week I was approved um, for funding. My OT put in an assessment and a, um, a, some requests for funding and all of them got approved, which I'm very happy about. So do you have any feedback uh Compliments, complaints, feedback, what, what have you got to say? Uh, all positive for myself. Um, the worker that I had at the NDIS meeting was very upfront and uh, easy to get along with. Um, she put through my claim very quickly. I think it helped having a good um, uh, a good, what's it called, a reference. Referral, yeah. My referral was written out really well by my GP um, and that made the process a lot easier for the NDIS worker um, because she had so much information. um, It made it a lot easier to uh, accept my application. And did you feel that you were involved in this process? Very much so. Um, I sat down with an OT to write out a few things that we would like to try and get funding for and we ended up getting funding for $24,000 worth of uh, help with other organisations, things like working in the um, Jamie Oliver Ministry of Food, um, approved for that, approved for a... um, I can't remember what sort of worker it is, but to help me with my daily 
chores like washing clothes and changing bed and an OT. an OT, yeah, like an OT. Um, and that's helped me out a lot. I've become a lot more uh, responsible with my own actions and um, my own life, keeping it in a uh, in a straight and narrow without being reliant on other people. So the NDIS slogan is choice and control and it sounds like through this assistance you've become empowered to be more independent and working towards self-determination to reaching and fulfilling your goals and hopes and dreams? Yeah, most definitely. I um, I feel that I've got some of my life back um, that was lost through mental health and drug abuse since a year and a half now I've been clean and my mental health is starting to level out and we're getting a better understanding of what is the problem and what aren't problems Um, I'm on the right medication now that took a little bit of getting used to but um, yeah it's uh, much better now Could you tell us what some of your future aspirations are future aspirations are i have a child on the way actually oh, congrats. congratulations <laughs> thanks guys oh cool i um yeah so i'm kind of preparing myself to be a dad um doing washing and my girlfriend already has a child so i'm doing as much as i can to help out with him changing dirty nappies bathing <laughs> feeding all all that sort of stuff so it's been good um being more responsible for my actions. And um, uh, do you have any advice to give anybody who's applying for the NDAS? Yes. The, the, the best advice I can give is go to your psychologist or psychiatrist or GP and get a well-written-out referral because it makes it a lot, a lot easier for the NDIA worker to approve you if you put that extra time and effort into it. Okay. Well... Thanks very much. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to share? No, I'm good. Okay. Thanks very much. Okay. That's all for today. Um, We're going to continue this because we have a lot more stories to share about this. But for now, stay tuned for The Renegade Economist and have a good night.